What you guys don't get is you don't get my view. I get to see the beauty that is in the house. I get to see everybody's faces. Man, it is a good day to be in the house of God. And um, we are so excited. And over here to our left is, man, something that God is just doing in such a significant way. Can we just appreciate all of our children's volunteers? Because they just let out probably as many kids as adults that we have in here. And so, Lord, let the grace of the Lord be with our kids' workers in Jesus' name. Amen. I feel like we had to double that prayer up. <laughs> Need a double portion. Hey, um, today we have a very special guest with us today that's going to come and bring the word. And his name is Bishop Peter Sayakama. And um, I met Peter back in, I think it was 2013. And um, I met him in Kenya, and uh, he and his family moved over to Pennsylvania, and we were living on the New York-Pennsylvania border. And um, I was a student pastor and an associate pastor at the time, and so I have had the honor of being able to spend several years with him and having his children in our student ministry. And um, they say you know somebody by their fruit. And uh, man, his kids are so hungry for God uh, since they've been young. And um, I am just so excited that this man of God is going to come. And he's going to encourage us today. And um, Bishop, do you mind if I share that story of the time you went into the mountain, you were mistreated, and then what God did? And if I don't, I don't want to make sure I'm not preaching your stuff. There's nothing worse than somebody preaching your stuff before you come up, you know? <laughs> But um, let me just tell you the, um, the story of, of Bishop, um, just to let you know how the Holy Spirit ministers through him. And I'm trusting that he's going to speak something through him to you today. But um, in Kenya, they have tribes in Kenya. And um, as he was going to preach the gospel, he was going into the mountain, which is an opposing tribe. And so as they went and they preached, I probably won't be able to tell it like him, but um, they preached the gospel. It wasn't so well received. In fact, um, there was mocking, and I believe the gentleman even punched him in the nose yes. very hard to where I remember you saying, I questioned, Lord, am I supposed to be here? Because that was a hard punch. His nose began to bleed, um, and they, they kind of departed from there. Um, as story, I can remember when... When you departed, the gentleman who struck you, his nose began to bleed somewhat supernaturally to where they couldn't get it to stop. And they were very concerned. And uh, what they had to do is actually call Bishop to come back up to the mountain to pray for that man. And at that time, the bleeding in his nose stopped. So you could believe there was a church planted there in that mountain. Amen, because of God's supernatural ability working through the man of God today. And so um, I just wanted, sometimes you don't know who you labor amongst, according to the scripture. And I just want you guys to know that um, as the man of God comes and brings the word, uh, I'm trusting that, that he has taken into consideration the Holy Spirit knew who would be here today, knew what you would need to hear. And so I just want to encourage you, would you open up your heart and receive from the Lord today through his vessel? Amen? Come on, let's put our hands together and show some love to Bishop Peter. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. I'm so glad to be here. I've been not to Carolina's any time before, so this is my first time. 
I'm so glad to have this opportunity to share the word of God with you. And uh, like Pastor has said, uh, I saw, uh, he left so many good stories too, you know. It's unlike here, we, we preach the gospel in places where to, it, if it were not for God, you would not want to go there. Hallelujah. In one of instance, after that, actually, that man uh, hit me. Um, still, people could not listen to us. What you don't understand, the dynamics that happened is that um, we were fighting for land issues and there were tribe to tribe, and we were young going there. And I wonder why. My mother told me these words. Why can't you commit suicide right now? We can find you a boat and bury you here rather than go there so we will not find your body because they are going to definitely kill you. That is the, how she perceived my going. But as I refused, the Lord showed me the mountain from one end to another and he said, He's, he has people over there. Seven times I refused to go to these people. And the words that God spoke only, I need you there to pray. It wasn't even to begin a church. And when we went there to begin praying, it took not just a few days. For three years, we had only two women in our... The church that sent us disconnected from us because we weren't doing nothing. According to them, you cannot be in a place for that long without fruit. I never wanted to begin a church or anything much more than that. But one day, a Thursday, not a Sunday, a Thursday evening in prayer... God brought 112 people in just instant. And from that, within one and a half years or 18 months, we planted small, nine small churches across the mountain as a, a, a revival kind of, many revival hit the place. And you could see this is nothing to do with me or my wisdom. This is God. Because we moved... Um, we saw the hand of God. And now the mountain is even more rich than my tribe's people. God has, op the heaven opened and the place has more churches and God has raised more people there than we had expected. And so I, I pray and I just want to pray for this church. You are in a very great place. But unless God opens heavens over you, you may not access everything he has for you. And I'm just, I know you have a great man of God. I don't say this lightly because I've sat under him. I have listened to him. And I know the hunger and the desire of God for one thing. He loves quality, excellence, and more than that, the desire to see God move. And you can't ask for more than that. But he will need you. People like us can come and give you a word. But we'll be gone. What you need out of the man of God is what you give to. You pray for him so that God may give him the word that is fitted for you. Hallelujah. I'm going to share from the first Kings chapter 3 today, uh, from verse 5, around to 12 or 13 there. I just have a few things that I want to share to you as a church and individuals. I sense there's a little bit of apostolic in the sense that I'm speaking to you as a body, as a congregation that is young, 
as a new church for the direction of God of where you're supposed to go and the few truths that you need to hold dear so that God may establish you. Hallelujah. So let's read the word. Uh, uh, first King 3 from verse 5. In Kipionea, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before the, thee in truth and in righteousness and uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is today. Verse 7. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. Watch that. I know not how to go out or come in. Thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which are, thou hast chosen a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for the multitude. Give, therefore, thy servant an understanding heart to church thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to church this thy great people? And the speech pleased the Lord, and Solomon, that, that Solomon had asked these things. I want to repeat that. And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing and hast not asked thyself for long life, neither hast asked for riches for thyself, nor hast thee asked life of thy enemy, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment, behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I will give thee a wise and understanding heart, so that there will be none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any rise unto like thee. I also give thee that which has not asked, both riches, honor, so that there shall be not any among kings like unto thee. Father, we thank you today. Your word will be mere words unless you're anointed by the breath of your spirit. So let this word go forth anointed because it make it reveal its treasure as we yield to you today. Speak through this vessel, Lord, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Hallelujah. I just want you to see, this is a young king who just ascended a great throne of a great king. David was a very powerful king. And through him, God has established Israel as a formidable kingdom. And his young son, who was not even supposed to be, is now established to be a king. And God gives him an open check, ask for me anything. What would you do if you were given today an open check, anything you want, and you are sure it's going to be given to you? What is this one thing, not many, one thing you would desire if God were to give you today? Do you have any or you have three or four? You can be satisfied with one. I, I would want two or three. But what is this one thing would you do? This appears in trailer in approach, but the truth of the matter is, what is here God asking this man is asking us today? 
But I want you to see the response of Solomon and how it pleased God. But before that, Solomon begins to, re, re, to, to, to speak to God. And he said, you are. You know, he, 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 he speaks of his faithfulness. He said, thou hast shown unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee. Instead of beginning with himself, he began, God is faithful generationally. He's faithful. His faithfulness is generational. I stand before you today. You as Americans have had the privilege of forefathers that walked with God. But as now the times and seasons are hit upon America, you are asking yourself, coming from outside, you will see this country is a, a place of confusion. And you are calling sweet things, Peter and Peter thinks sweet, like anywhere else, there's a sense of darkness that is confusing how people see things. But as a people, you should go back and say, what was the God who was faithful to our fathers? Is he still faithful today? Can you address him like this young man? Before I can address you, God, I look back to see your faithfulness. Before we can begin to think of where we're going, do we have roots? Oh, there has been weakness in many generations, but at least the hand of God is visible. It is not just a nation, it's individual. God is generational. Amen. He's God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob. We talk, we hear so much talk of generational curses, but people have never taught us generational blessings. Look back in your generation. There are things worth it to redeem. The blessings that were there that you can redeem. America needs to redeem the wells of revival that is now full of debris and that are filled with stones that you can remove and the springs of fresh water will flow again. God is a generational God. Hallelujah. You showed mercy. Can you show mercy to me today? You did these things. Can you do it today? Is he God capable of touching our children and bringing them back to God? The Bible says he's forever married to backsliders. And if you have children, you think they will never come to God. God can bring them back. Nothing is impossible with God. Some of us are seeing a generation before us that is way beyond how we can even help and wonder where is the wisdom for this. I want to tell you God is faithful. The spirit of God is not worried about technological advancement or scientific, whatever. God saw this day before. He's not scratching his head and saying, now, with this day of mobile phones and these things, what will I do to the church? God said that during the time of the end, knowledge shall increase. Craft will increase and people will be going to and fro. Go to the airport. It's true. He is not reacting to what is going on in our life today. God is aware. He's not like us. He's not in, limited in understanding like us. God is aware of this generation. He knows where we are, what kind of problem we face, what kind of darkness we have. He said it. That during the time of the end in Isaiah 60, darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But for you, arise from this thing that frustrate you, frustrate you, because your light has come. Your understanding has come. Arise and shine. In moments like this, it's no time to give up. If there's a best time to be alive, it's today. 
I know you may not like it, but it is true. If there's a need for light, it is now. We either give up or embrace God and let his, the Bible says, and his glory shall be seen upon you. When you rise in faith, even when things seem impossible, why don't you believe God? One man in Ghana sometimes back prayed for God to give him much, increase his church. He had 350 people and he prayed. And, and God said, enlarge your tent. He got a word. And when he began to build, he had a design of a church of wood that see 3,500 people. And people said, that is too much. And some people left the church. But you know what God, when they finally God moved, over 35,000 people showed up. God would exceed our expectation. The question is, do we have a desire? Do we have a burden? For, I, I had to see this is another church. I know it is not after speaking to pastor this much. I know. We are doing church as if it's another religion. We are just adding to things. But if we carry the burden of the people, this man, his answer to his cry was, give me wisdom. In humility, he said, I am but a little child. His response, approach to God, just like Abraham did, he said, I'm but dust and ashes. I'm not even supposed to speak to you. When we recognize our position, who we are before God, in humility, it encourages heaven to open up. The problem is when people pray for revival and behave as if they have revival, it won't happen. You know, we say, God, give us revival, but then you, say, you think you have it. No, we need to be broken. We don't have it. We don't have the presence of God yet. Yes, there's more to God than we have. Whatever stage of life we are in. Yes, I'm a little child. I don't know how to go out, call out and come in. It's a humility. And the same thing God spoke about Saul when he began arrogant and now began to fail. Samuel said, when you're small in your own eyes, did God make you the king of his, to rule over his people? God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humility attracts the grace. Humility attracts heaven because you are positioning yourself in a blessable position. You are acknowledging who you are. You are dependent on God. That's what you are saying. When we lift our hands in prayer, we are saying, God, without you, we cannot do this. And this is the posture that Solomon appeared before God. I am but a little child. Please, I don't know what you are facing. When you have come to the end of yourself, acknowledge that you have, you have failed. But there's one who never fails. God never fails. Amen. Hallelujah. And he will navigate you from that position to another level. He said, give me an understanding heart. He acknowledged the great people of God. Who can judge these great people? I just, I just want to give you something so that um, I, 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 we can understand. My thrust is this. If we carry the burden for God's people, God will release every resource needed to do it. If we are concerned about God's people, God will give us anything for that, to fulfill that. 
And this is not just going to be pastor's burden alone. The vision is laid out. But we need to carry it. I always I told people on yesterday night that the first people, in first people who come in the church for the first year to begin a church, most of them are leaders. You're going to be the ones to see the faithfulness of God as you rise up together. And therefore, have the mindset that this thing we carry together is not a one-man show. We're going to shoulder this financially, prayerfully, in every essence of the way. We're going to take this thing and we're going to see God break loose in this place and touch this community like never before. Is it hard for God to see? I, I believed so. When I came to America, I said, oh, you know, Africa, we used to talk, some people talk. It's like uh, you go to a tomato field, you can close your eyes and pick ripe one easily because people are ready and willing. But here is a little bit hard. But I've come to realize people are just hungry. We are not giving them the real word. People are just equally hungry. The few days, a few uh, times I've lived here, I've seen God equally powerful here in America, just as being in home. Hallelujah. We will refuse to say, like the Assyrians or whoever they came to attack Israel and say, wait, we have realized the God of Israel is God of the mountain. So let's go to the valley and defeat them. And God was so annoyed to be limited to be victory in one place. He said, no, I am God of the mountain and I'm also God of the valley. Hallelujah. Don't limit God to be winning in any place. God will win it here. Any place God is ready for war, he wins. There is no place or platform that God can never break through. So don't try to tell God, you know, America is hard. It's not. It is our perception of what it means. God is willing to work. Are we? The Bible talks about this. Uh, he asked for wisdom, but the key word that as I keep on emphasizing, he carried his, who can judge these great people? He, he put value to God's people. He said, who can judge these great people? I don't have what it takes to, to be a leader of these people. While this speaks to the leadership of this church, it speaks to all of us. In every aspect where God has given us rulership, every, whether in the office, whether, whatever it is, we are head over people, do not devalue people. Do not take carelessly people that God has put in your severe of influence. Once you give regard, you respect people, you honor them, God will honor you. He created everybody in his own image after his own likeness. And it really matters to him how you handle others. Hallelujah. But for this case as a ministry, as a church, my cry for you, I can preach many messages, but my cry for you that is dying on the pulpit in America and everywhere, we have no desire to care for people. The church has become an enterprise. Uh, 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 something we do to survive, to it rises up, it becomes a little bigger, and then we, we are so much worried about the bills and how we're going to survive, and we forget the reason we exist. It is people is reaching this community. May God give you the spirit of outreach again, and know that there are people, great men, of, great people of God in this city, that the reason you are here, so that he may give you the wisdom and the ability to reach out to this city. Ask for it, and God will give you this city. Or this neighborhood, this region will be given to you. I'm preaching, but I'm also speaking prophetically. God desires to do a lot 
And you have been chosen for this moment of time to be a different church, to be a different group of people that will exhibit love and a burden for God's people. I was telling people in the morning that when we, the, the reason people don't pray is they have no reason to pray. Why, 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 why would you pray? But when you carry a burden, it's a burden is just like Isaiah says, if you, if you don't carry the seed in your womb, you cannot give birth to anything. And the womb is like a seed of what God wants to do. And I was saying that faith is a substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen, the things this judge is looking forward to see, the dreams that you want to see achieved is what faith would help you achieve. But I, why do we need to pray? This is a season of prayer. This man requested, prayed. The house of God is a house of prayer. But what is our prayer? Your best prayed. We can go in, but I like this, this prayer for this one reason. Solomon forgot about himself. And I want to speak to you. Most of the things you are going through is because you are self-centered. Now, don't say this guy came to step on us and say these things. I'm telling you, almost 90% of the reason you are frustrated, you are self-focused. You are seeing your, the, the, the lack of rapidity, you are seeing your... And the problem with this generation is comparison. Some of the tears we shed is not because God has never blessed us, because we've compared ourselves with others. And we have not enjoyed the little God has given us and feel fulfilled and begin to progress with what has put in our life. And we see somebody else has that and somebody has that. I say, oh God, why are you not doing this? God caught me off guard with that word myself. I began to see this guy, church is growing, and I said, I pray a little bit more than this guy. How come this church is grown? I that's, and then God rebuked me. I'm dealing with you as you, not as that guy. Leave him alone. Just tell me why I have not blessed you. Why are you looking at others? And I began to look to myself and say, oh God, I'm really sorry. How selfish I was. Because I was comparing myself to others that became a fool. Please, there's something unique about you that is all about you alone. And if you're going to experience life of joy and fulfillment, it is not from other, it's from the Lord and your perception and reception of that. Then out of overflow, you'll give to others. You can't give people what you don't have. And you can have a relationship with God. I, I was in life where a bicycle was the greatest miracle in my life ever. And I, I say, if only God can give me a bicycle, I can do a lot for him. You know, I have over time had a car. And I realize I'm still me. With all these things that I thought I would, would make a world of a difference, unless something changes on your inside, whatever else God brings from outside will never change anything. I thought, if only I can do this. No. It's the inner transformation. The quality of a person you are is what will bring the difference. And so, but that begins by looking not within yourself, but looking to others. Love, we say, is, is the thing that we need to have for the community. But this, love is seeking the good of another, not yours. 
do we know how to love? It is never about me, it's about somebody else. And I'm, I'm saying these things may be a lack of fluency to communicate what I'm trying to say, but the key is, do we carry a burden? Do we have? If the man of God once told me this statement, I was walking in the community, he knows the slum in my area, and I, whatever you choose to see, you will see. And this old man told me, if what you see does not bruise your heart, you're not ready to be a minister of God. If the problem, these young people who are suffering, if all they're going through and it does not touch your heart, please go back and pray. Don't want to, I don't want you to be a preacher. I have, mm, why? I, I, I have gone to the Bible school. No. Look at this great nation of yours. Is what is going on bothering you? It's actually the Holy Spirit summoning you to pray. He's never called you to complain. Let me tell you something. Please don't hate me for this. Hallelujah. <laughs> what do you see the world? You are supposed to be unique people. While it's beautiful to look to the White House for the solution of this country, God is looking to the church house. He has never bothered with who is. He cares a lot, but not as much as who is in the house of God. As goes the church, so goes the world. Don't blame the, the White House. Blame the church house. If we put things in order, we should not be so political. We will transform this nation so quickly if the house of God is what God wants it to be. How do you expect sinners to behave when the church hardly behaves? How would you expect them to be reformed when we are not anywhere near reform? Yet we are the continuity of God's change. And we ourselves are not changing. Are we assigning impossible tasks to a people that are not capable of change? What about us? Hallelujah. This nation can be changed in a generation if we're willing to put aside what we think we know. And in humility cry out like this man, I don't know what to do, Lord. As a minister in this region, I pretend, but give me wisdom and a discerning heart that I may be able to, dis to, to discern between bad and evil. Yes, the world is corrupt. Yes, I don't understand how people can do what they're doing, but at least you should read the Bible, you know, that during the time of the end, Perilous time will come. People will do these things now we see. But what is the answer? If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves. God's honor is on his people. I was, uh, was with a pastor in Pennsylvania. I led, I was in charge of prayer for the election and we went through the first and 20, was it 2016? Yeah. We saw the results. But immediately the church stopped, immediately the church began to celebrate. We could see Graham and the son of Bill Graham went from state to state for prayer. It was such a moment in this land. And people prayed from everywhere. But the moment we had victory, people stopped praying. We didn't see us go back to every state capital to give thanks to the Lord. We limited God again by not continuing. What is bathed in prayer must be sustained in prayer. 
Hallelujah. And so I say these words to say, what is wisdom? Why is God pleased that this man asked this? When Joseph stood before Pharaoh in Genesis chapter 41, 39, Pharaoh said to Joseph, For as much as God has showed you this, all this thing, all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou. Thou shalt be over my house. According unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than you. In other words, when he appeared before Pharaoh, Pharaoh asked him, I've heard that you are able to interpret dreams, but Joseph said this word, no, it is, it's not with me, it's not with me, but God will give Pharaoh the interpretation. This man exhibited humility, but God gave them wisdom. And because he had that discerning ability, he began to tell the man of, the, 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 this man on how things are coming. He had the wisdom of God to discern the times. I began to tell him the days that are coming, the interpretation of the dream. This guy, whoa, I don't think we have anybody like that here. So what I'm asking you to do is, if Bible says, if you lack wisdom, do what? Do you know that we think that is a simple prayer and therefore because it appears we think we know? There's wisdom in three levels. There's what we call natural wisdom. It's our ability to gather facts and respond to them according to human understanding. That is wisdom too, which is necessary. Then there's what we call demonic wisdom, which we see now playing out there. It is wisdom actually. Even Jesus says sometimes the children of darkness are wiser than the children of men. Of children of light. These guys know what they want and are going for it intentionally. So that, that, don't, don't call them fools. They know what they want and they are going about it. The thief has a vision. The, the devil has a vision and to steal, kill and destroy. He has that. What do we have? So there is another wisdom that is from above. The Bible says it's pure, peaceful or peaceable. And it's full of fruit. It's, the key word here is supernatural. There is a supernatural perception or a perspective on every issues we are facing today. Hallelujah. There is a solution. Wisdom from God is solution oriented. It does not only design a problem, it already has a solution. And the moment the church will begin to answer the Christ of the world, the world will come to the house of the Lord. They will, draw, they will come in droves because they have understood there is, there is, there is wisdom. There is, there is a word in the house of God. We can't compete with them in school of learning and things like this. We have something, we have an edge over them. We have supernatural wisdom from God. And I'm asking you to ask for this. God, when, when Daniel and the Hebrew boys went into into the Babylonian captivity, the Bible says God, they were 10 times wiser than the children of Babylon. And today the church grapples, we don't seem to be, to ask for one thing that is very crucial for this time. Why do I emphasize wisdom? The Bible says wisdom will be the stabilities of your times in Isaiah 33 verse 6. We are living in unstable times. 
confusing times. But if we have the God's mind on issues, we'll be stable in our attitude and our ability to know. No matter what happens, I know. You know, when corona hit, who knew that churches would be closed almost a year all over the world? Something significant happened. The whole world closed down. And please let me not horrify you, but I will say this. That is just one thing. To think that things like that will not happen is a lie. But are we prepared for times like that? Do we have a God who have a solution? It happened to Pharaoh and he had a dream of all these things coming and God gave him, no, there's a solution. In the lean times, the worst times that are coming, there is a solution. In the worst time that's coming, there's a solution. While darkness was in Egypt, there was light in caution. We need to be a people who are not worried about what is coming, but who are worried that God is with us. Can I say that again? We can't stop things happening, but we can, we can align ourselves with God who can stop anything if need be. Hallelujah. Our dis- because some of these things, we may not have the capacity to stop them. But when we are walking with a God who has already seen all these things and sees what is coming, we are in a better position to walk wisely. Hallelujah. This, there is a church we have prayed, we have been spiritual, but we need wisdom, like Solomon. And the Bible says, and God said, because you do not ask I don't know why he began with that wealth. You know, I want wealth. I have prayed for it so many times. I have to be honest. I have to confess. I was not like Solomon. I asked for it because I was born in so much poverty. I had to ask for these things. Ask for wealth. (laughs) And and, and sometimes I've asked God to destroy my enemies. Just like God is saying. It's true. I wish this would be done like that. But God said, because you didn't ask for wealth. And you didn't ask for, for, for long life. Nor did you ask for the life of your enemy. Which means if he has asked, kill somebody, God would have done it. You know, wouldn't you feel good that some people be taken away from your life because of what they do? You know, hallelujah. I, and he didn't ask for these things because you didn't ask for these things. But you ask for this. It, God is trying to reveal the valuable things that he put his hand to. That what this man asks is the most valuable thing to him. But to us, some of us, the greatest value we have is wealth. Oh, we need it. The Bible says money answers all things. It's no, don't, don't ignore it. It's very important. But God is not, say, he's not say, he's saying, Mm-mm. long life, who doesn't want that? We, we go to hospital, we work out, we do this thing to live good and long. But that was not. Jesus lived at three years old, that three years only, and he's changed the world forever. So it's not about the length of days. It's the quality of life you live in the days you have. So God is saying, hey, you didn't ask for this thing, but because you ask this, I'll even give you this. Wow. There are some things will never come to you. But when you live out God's purpose for your life, those things are already arranged to line up to the purpose of God for your life. You don't have to ask for them. Just do the right thing first. Because some of the prosperity you seek are tied to your purpose in life. They will just follow. Some of things 
I used to tell the youth, if a good husband is not what you seek, when you are busy doing the right thing, they will just come along. Good things will come along when you are fulfilling your purpose in life. Because they were meant to happen like that in the face of God. But if you are, no, you are off the track of what God wanted you to do, you will encounter different things that God never intended for you. But when you are following God for what he ordained, intended for you, all other things will lie into it. Follow. And this is why he says in, a, in Matthew, Jesus said in Matthew 6, that three, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and the righteousness thereof. And these things, what? These things that the world is after, these things, the wealth, the fame, the fortune, and all these things shall be added to you. But first seek the welfare of God's people. Seek the kingdom first. As a church in your generational life, I like it because actually it's true. It's evident you are a generational. I saw the number of kids in this church like I've never seen anywhere. They are just living. <laughs> you are just a good mix of what God is looking for. Right. Hallelujah. And so you are truly your name. May you grow up like that in many years to come. Attracting young, old, and every other people of growth. And, for, and, and, and it shall be. Hallelujah. But I say that to say. Oh, God. You are in a good place, church. I like the new beginnings. I like people who are beginning from, who are not full of attachment of other traditions and therefore you can stand here today and look back and look at the failures of where you've come from, let them go and look at certain things and let them off your shoulders and so that you can be free from some of things that are limiting churches to grow and say now that we're doing this what can we do better and go forth with that kind of mindset hallelujah so that's why I'm excited to be here because my eyes see thousands coming and I'm not saying it lightly. Question is, are you prepared? Do you have capacity for, if God, can God trust you with 2,000 people in the next two years? Yeah. He knows. He's aware. But if we enlarge our hearts, our capacity to think and dream, he can do it. Because you look, also the time we're living in, God is doing a quick work. Do not expect that this church will grow in the same way churches have grown. No, 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 no. It is, if things are set in place in the right way, God is about to do a quick work in the earth. For those who are doing the right thing, there are so many that God wants to touch. And if he sees us in a good position, he's going to bring the ship. One man in Nigeria that I love, was, his church was not growing and he was so dissatisfied, he decided nobody cooks in his house and took sufri, uh, the pans and broke them because the church of God is not growing. I know you can't, you can't be that trusting, but he never wanted anything to be cooked. Everybody pray in the house. And in the process of praying, the Lord said, you are wasting your time. <laughs> you need to grow green grass and the sheep will locate it. You as a minister don't focus on trying to bring people. Why? What is your motivation to want a number, big number of people? Do you have Christ? The sheep will come. I will locate the sheep. If the grass is not green, why would the sheep come in? And when he got that revelation, he began to preach 40 days nonstop. And from that day, he has built one of the biggest churches in the world, not just in Nigeria, in the world. Because 
he realized the secret is to be prepared for what God is about to do. Praise the name of the Lord. And so, Bible tells us, and I say this again, wisdom is the principal thing. It's principal today. It's very necessary today. In all praying, pray that God gives you ability to discern what is good and bad because we're living in a times where that has skewed, it's been messed up. We must be, have the skill to discern everything. What I, what I speak to the, the leadership, pastoral team, is what I speak to you as an individual. You are going out there. You need wisdom. You need wisdom to do business. God can release creative idea to do something. A man came out of the university in, in Africa and, and he went in prayer and fasting and asking God to help him do good business that will succeed. And the Lord said, go get a wheelbarrow, which is like, he's a graduate and he wanted him to sell firewood. And the guy said, God, why firewood? He said, because nobody else is doing it. He began to push wheelbarrow to sell firewood. Little by little, he rose from that to be get, got a pickup to supply it in the whole town. Now he has a construction company. He's a billionaire. But he began from a simple word from God, which he accepted and ran with it. God can download creative ideas. The solution is there, church. The world is in a mess, but the church has an answer. If we are not a solution, then we have no business being around. That's a strong word, but it's true. We have the God who is the source of all things, therefore we must be resourceful. From every arena of life, we can do these things. Hallelujah. If one lacketh wisdom, let him ask. For God will generously give this wisdom from above, the supernatural ability to do things. God's way. We will achieve this. So, the most valuable thing for this church, among many things that the man of God is going to teach you today, is esteem wisdom. The Bible says if you embrace her, she will promote you. If you seek her, she will preserve you. If you read in, I mean, there's so many scriptures like that in Proverbs 4. Promotion and preservation and fruit is with her. And she's going to do great things. That's what it is. But actually what it is, is God's mindset on issues. We have a way of thinking. We have a way of seeing things. But we can see things through God's eyes. It's different. Have you ever been in a plane? The moment you begin to lift a little bit, the seat is so large. You see the whole big city. The higher you go, it becomes smaller. So the higher the perspective, the things you think is a problem become nothing before God. And that's why God looks at the world and looks at the nation, the wretches. He, he loves instead of trying to fight them. How can he? It is too small for God, literally. It's the stronghold that the world and cultures impeding into us to think that things are too hard for God. No, nothing is too difficult for God. Let's approach God with that attitude in every aspect of our life. I was praying for somebody, uh, telling this guy, uh, we good? Okay. Yeah. 
we're praying for, I, I, I shared a, a testimony. We were praying and one of the things beside that guy pleading and people running to me to pray for him and the church to grow, we had another lady she was crippled from, for however long it was. And there's a young man I was with just turned around and prayed for that leg. And the leg began to change as we watched and the whole market saw that. And 60 people just came just to see that and come to church. Wow. There's some things we don't want them. We don't believe they happen because what you don't believe will never happen. It's time the God of signs and wonders become our God again. We don't seek that. We seek God. But when we do that, he will surprise us with a lot of things. Be people of the word and people of prayer. These two things are the agents of revival. If we have the word of God and we are people who can pray, there's no stopping what God is capable of doing. I know I could give you different sermons, but I, I don't know when I'll come back again. That's why I have to scheme and bring in whatever I think is important to me. <laughs> when you are given an opportunity, you want to give a little bit of everything. Because, you know, I'm not your pastor that I'm going to do a series so that I, I, I systematically give you what you need. So I have to give you nuggets from every aspect I can, uh, I can afford. So at least to provoke you to the things God has prepared for you as a church. Hallelujah. So, church, I believe you are positioned for such a time as this. Amen. Just as Esther saw it, those words. I mean, Mordecai told Esther, if you don't, God will raise another. Why would God raise another church when you're here? You know, David was not the first choice of Israel, but he rose to be the best. You may not be the cho first choice of the church in this location, but that doesn't matter. You may be the church on time. Hallelujah. So, would you be willing to impress the pattern of the Lord for this community? Would you, would you willing to impress the, the soul winning for this community? To reach out to this community and touch the people. People are suffering, church. And some of people, all they need is a shoulder to cry. Seven days and, and just 
was not eating and therefore I ate without knowing and my stomach was so painful that I never touched food again for three days. On the tenth day I went to the Lord in humility and cried out to God and as I lifted my hand I thought I had prayed for three minutes but I had prayed for three hours. And I woke up it's like something lifted me off my knees and I went to the bed and going it's like Jesus is coming Jesus is coming and I, I was taken up and a, a path or a road appeared before me and I don't know how I can describe this to you it was so alive living and it was just like it's pulling me to walk it's way with different colors so beautiful I so rejoice everything in me rejoice as I began to go and as I began to go forward I was so totally complete in everything and I don't know how to describe this let me say that and as I was going something told me coming for his pride. And we're not going to go the way we think we're going as shamefully hiding. No. We're going bold, beautifully atoned to meet our, our husband, our king. And so the end time revival is going to be revival intimacy and revival of the power of God. We need to learn to know him. It is coming, people. I just thought I should put in that to let you perfectly know. We don't let what is going on mess you up as it was in the days of Noah. So there is the, it is uh, the coming of the Son of Man. What was there? During that time of Noah, God had a witness. The Bible says, and Noah found grace in the eyes of God. While everybody else was doing their God. And it, in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, there was Abraham who found grace in the eyes of God. While everybody was doing this. Even today there is a remnant. And I hope you are one. You are a community that God would trust his resources and his light and his power and his finance to do the work of this end time. God bless you. Hallelujah. So, prayer. Yeah. I want to, um, if you will, ask you to, I know I could go on and go on and do many things, but I want to pray for you as a church. Want me to pray for you? I am willing to pray for you now and later. Hallelujah! But I want to pray for this church. Hallelujah! Precious Father, in the everlasting name of Jesus, I lift this fellowship, I lift this house before you today. May this place find grace in your sight.
Let no door shut before them that is belongs to them. Let every door be open in the name of Jesus. And release the spirit without measure for the power that they need. And let them walk in the power of your spirit and in the wisdom that you supply so that you can fulfill that which of laid before them in the name of Jesus. I lift the man of God and his wife and I ask particularly the Lord you will grant him with the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Enlarge his heart with the capacity to Stepped in a place and left in the same. So we welcome your presence in this house. 